know, I have a very small message here. Please stop considering the Palestinians as the victims of the Israeli occupation. And please start considering the Palestinians as the victims of their own leadership. Reach us on our listener line at 888-343-6940. Sign up for a free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, ask Chris a question to be answered on air, or leave us a comment about our program. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. Our host and teacher, Chris Katolka, was recently in Israel, and Chris had an opportunity to sit down with Bassem Eid, an Israeli news analyst and Palestinian who values the presence of the modern state of Israel in the Middle East. Chris caught up with Bassem while he was in Jerusalem. Let's join them now. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. I'm sitting with a personal hero of mine, uh, Bassem Eid, and Bassem is a political analyst for Israeli TV and radio, and I had the joy of meeting him a few months ago while he was in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. And when I heard him speak, uh, he's incredibly eloquent. I know that you will you'll hear his passion uh, because it's a passion that I know if you're listening to this radio program, I know it's a passion that you share as well. The passion of the issue of what's happening in Israel, keeping track of things that are happening in Israel, and the Palestinian situation. So, Bassem, thank you for being with me thank today. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a joy. Yes. We're thank sitting you. here in Jerusalem. That's right. Uh, is, where is your home, Bassem? Do you live in the area? I am living in Jericho okay. since 12 years ago. And it's a lovely place. Could you tell us a little bit about your history, who you are, and uh, what makes you so unique? Uh, I hope that I am unique person you are uh, i am you know i started my old uh, political career as a human rights activist i spent around 26 years searching violations of human rights against the palestinians started my human rights career with an israeli organization called betselem for seven and a half years and after the oslo agreement i decided to resign from betselem to create the Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group in terms to observe and to monitor the Palestinian Authority violations against the Palestinians. B'Tselem is a, still an organization today that specifically seeks out to find human rights issues of the Israelis, specifically the, the army, against the Palestinians. And you left that group. Yes. Can you explain why you left that group? What was yeah, it? Yeah, because I am much more interesting, you know, to continue defending the rights of my own people under my own government or my own authority or whatever you call it. And uh, uh, the main reason for leaving B'Tselem that since the Oslo Agreement, B'Tselem decided not to interfere in any violations committed by the Palestinian Authority against the Palestinian people, because B'Tselem believes that still that there are some territories which is under the Israeli control, where these Palestinians are living over there. And B'Tselem looking to itself that its mandate, its 
to observe and to monitor the Israeli violations against the Palestinians rather than the Palestinian Authority against the Palestinians. And, and that's really your message. You want to actually look at the human rights issues of the Palestinian Authority against their own people. That's right. And this is probably one of the reasons why some of the Palestinians start calling the monitoring group as the Palestinian B'Tselem. Okay. Because B'Tselem used to monitor the Israeli, and the monitoring group start uh, monitoring the Palestinian authority. So what can you say about the Palestinians that most of us in the States don't hear about with human rights issues of Palestinian leadership against their own people? Just last month, in the mid of May, I presented a human rights report on behalf of the Henry Jackson Society in the UK to some UK parliamentarians. And I tried, you know, in the UK parliament to raise the issue of human rights and the human rights violations committed by the Palestinian Authority. Because unfortunately, it looks like that the media is much more interesting to report about the Israeli violations of human rights. And no one media is interesting to report about the human rights violations of the Palestinian Authority against the Palestinian people. Why is that? Uh, I, in, my, in, in my opinion, I think that the international community since seven or eight years ago almost it changed its foreign policy towards the Middle East. Mm. And I think that the major important issue for the international community right now is how to run more and more after Israel rather than after the Syrian president, which is almost in five years, we have over than 350,000 people has been killed in Syria. Wow. Which is unfortunately no media is reporting about it. Mm. Look to what is going on in Yemen. Look to the Saudi Arabia airstrike. I don't know how, man, how much hundreds of thousands of people also killed in, in Yemen because media is not reporting on it. Mm. Look how much how Muslims are killing Muslims in Iraq. Look how, 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 how ISIS is killing uh, innocent people in, uh, in Libya. Unfortunately, it looks like, in my opinion, the media right now, including the international community, are much more interesting to push Israel more and more to the corner hmm. by saying, with, what, with our current policy right now in the Middle East, we are going to force Israel to resume the negotiations, the peace negotiations with the Palestinians. In my opinion, in such way, will never ever push Israel to resume anything with the Palestinians. So the world is trying to push the Israelis up against a corner to make a peace deal with the Palestinians, essentially. They, they think that in a such way, we can achieve peace between the Israelis and the, and the Palestinians. But in my opinion, in such way, makes the international community today that it became a part of the conflict rather than a part of the solution. Wow. You, you know, we, you, one of your specialties is sharing about uh, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions uh, that's happening around the world against Israel in order, again, to force them to make a peace deal <coughs> with the Palestinians. That's right. Is, is this helpful 
for the Palestinian people? Is this helpful for the, for the peace process? First of all, I want to tell you know the so-called BDS, the boycott, divestment, and uh, sanctions movement, that all of their activities <clears throat> around the world to boycott Israel didn't succeed right now. In my opinion, if you will go today to inside Israel and visiting even the factories in the West Bank, you will didn't, uh, uh, let's say, uh, get any impression that the BDS has an influence on the Israeli economy. Hmm. But if you will go to the Palestinian territories and find the hundreds probably of Palestinian workers who has been kicked out from their jobs because of the moving of the Israeli factories from the West Bank to inside Israel, then you will see how much the BDS policy is so effective on the Palestinians, but not at all on the Israelis. That's amazing. So the, the only people they're hurting are the people they want to help. If you, if we, yeah, yeah, I think that they, they are trying to help themselves hmm. to find jobs for themselves rather than to help the Palestinians. <laughs> on the other side, if you will take the soda stream as an example, I think that the soda stream, since they moved from the West Bank to the south of Israel, in my opinion, the income, the yearly income of the soda stream right now became triple than, than it used to be in the West Bank. Really? So what is the Israelis lost here? In my opinion, nothing. By moving the soda stream to the south of Israel, by the way, that's a probably gave some uh, opportunity for jobs for some Jewish people and for some Israeli Arabs. Mm. But for the Palestinians, mm -hmm. we are the main losers for moving the soda stream from the West Bank to the south of Israel. So BDS does not work. It does not help. It, it will never work, by the way. If you will take the history of the boycott on specific countries in the past, let's say, 40 years, I didn't see that the boycott policy has been effective on any of those countries that the boycott has been imposed even by countries against them, not by some gangsters and some thugs, the so-called BDS movement. Yeah. So I didn't see that boycott almost get any benefits uh, 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 from, uh, from its, uh, let's say, from, uh, from the boycott point of view. I didn't see that by inciting against Israel by hatred against Israel by using violence against Israel or using any boycott against Israel I don't think that that's really will solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict you know we, we have limited time I could spend hours with you but what Bassem if you had a message that you could get out for people to take home what would that be you know, I have a very small message here. My message is, please stop considering the Palestinians as the victims of the Israeli occupation. Hmm. And please start considering the Palestinians as the victims of their own leadership. Bassem, thank you for your time. You're a busy man, and I'm thankful that you would sit down with me and just share a few moments with me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure meeting you, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you.
For years now, politicians have been arguing that the only chance for peace between Israelis and Palestinians is a two-state solution. Israel remains a sovereign state, and the Palestinians reserve the right to create a state of their own. It's then and only then, when the Palestinians forge their own destiny, that peace will finally come between the two parties. That message has been status quo for decades, and yet even today there is an even deeper divide between the Israelis and Palestinians. So what can be done? Caroline Glick, deputy managing editor of the Jerusalem Post, has written a book to challenge the status quo of the two-state solution. The book is called The Israeli Solution, a one-state plan for peace in the Middle East. This book challenges the conventional thought on how to bring peace between the Israelis and Palestinians, and I highly encourage you to purchase this book. You can get your copy by visiting our website, foiradio.org. We'll have a link right on our homepage, or you can call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Former Israeli politician and diplomat Abba Iban once said of the Palestinians that they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. He said this while discussing peace at the Geneva Peace Talks. Iban's quote was spoken more than 40 years ago, and his words are still relevant today when discussing peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. You know, it was just a few months back when stumping for his wife in Ewing, New Jersey, that former President Bill Clinton encountered a heckler who blamed the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for creating a foreign policy that exacerbated the current conditions of the Gaza Strip. President Clinton seized control of the situation by criticizing the Hamas government in Gaza, and then he took the heckler and his audience on a walk down memory lane. Bill Clinton said this, I killed myself to give the Palestinians a state. In July 2000, President Clinton, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, and Yasser Arafat, leader of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, sat down at Camp David to discuss Israeli-Palestinian peace. And what resulted was one of the greatest offers the Palestinians ever had received from the Israelis. But in lockstep with Iban's quote, Arafat turned it down. Once again, they missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Clinton continued to speak to the crowd in Ewing, saying this, I had a deal they turned down that would have given them all of Gaza, 96 to 97 percent of the West Bank, compensating land in Israel, you name it. Yasser Arafat wasn't the only Palestinian leader to pass up on a deal of solidifying a Palestinian state. Palestinian president and successor to Yasser Arafat, Mahmoud Abbas, was offered almost all of the West Bank, almost equal land swaps, Israeli withdrawal from Arab neighborhoods of East Jerusalem, and a tunnel from Gaza to the West Bank. I think Abbas would have taken hold of that Latin phrase, carpe diem. He would have seized the day for such a momentous occasion for his people. But alas, like his predecessor, he fulfilled the Palestinian mission to miss an opportunity, to miss an opportunity. The Palestinian trend of continual rejection of offer after offer is an indication that they really don't want to establish peace with the Israeli people. 
at least not in the foreseeable future. The deals the Israelis made twice in the past 16 years are nothing to balk at. These were legitimate offers of not only land, but also the Israeli intention of recognizing a Palestinian state in the West Bank. The cycle of Palestinian rejection also shows the other side of the coin. That is how much the Israelis are willing to invest in the peace process that they would be offering such significant deals. The cycle of Palestinian rejection also shows the other side of the coin. That is how much Israel is invested in the peace process that they would offer such amazing deals to the Palestinians. Israel has been working toward peace with its neighbors for decades. They signed a peace treaty with Egypt in 1979, returning the Sinai Peninsula. Israel found peace with Jordan in 1994, settling land and water issues while opening the doors of opportunity for partnerships and trade and tourism. And let's not forget that it was Israel. Israel was the ones to unilaterally offer Gaza to the Palestinians in exchange for peace. So why hasn't peace come yet between the Israelis and the Palestinians? Polling data from 2014 reveals an interesting trend among both Israelis and Palestinians. Listen to this. Roughly 60% of Israelis want to renew peace talks with Palestinians, while 60% of Palestinians want to work toward reclaiming all of historic Palestine from the river to the sea, which is just another way of saying they want Israel to disappear. This is the reason the Palestinians could never sign even the best of peace treaties with Israel. This data shows the severity of the situation at hand. And as hard as the Israelis work to build a long-lasting relationship with the Palestinians, a majority of them will not be happy until the day they have reclaimed all the land of Israel. Sadly, a working peace treaty with Israel in the mind of the Palestinians is no Israel at all. I'm sure President Clinton did almost kill himself trying to build peace between the Israelis and Palestinians. I don't think he'll ever forget how badly he was burned when Arafat left everything he worked so hard on on the table at Camp David. So what's the answer to such a difficult problem? Well, I wish I could give it to you, but I do know this much. The neglect of the Palestinian leadership to make real steps towards peace have been the biggest obstacle plaguing their people. So my friends, what can we do on the other side of the world? Let's keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. The Lord taught us to pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6:13. The importance of that phrase was brought home to me recently when I visited the Ministry of the Interior to renew my identification card. As I sat on a bench to wait my turn, 
I found a paper bag containing a lot of money. I thought if I give this to the security officer, he will thank me and keep it for himself. But then I remembered those words do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I decided to take the money to the police station. One of the officers remarked, I can see by your clothes you're not a religious person. So why did you turn in this money? I replied, all that glitters is not gold. And why do you judge people by their clothes? As an officer, you must have had many experiences with people who were well-dressed but who are now behind bars. The officer persisted. It is not often we see a non-religious person like you who is so honest. I responded, This may shock you, but I do believe in the Lord. By now, our conversation had attracted the attention of several other officers. They, too, wanted to know about me because it was hard for them to believe a man who did not cover his head would speak about faith. Anyone who speaks about the Lord but is not dressed like the ultra-Orthodox is suspected of being a missionary, a word that has a bad connotation in Israel. But this does not scare me and I asked them if they knew the meaning of the word missionary. One replied, It is someone who spreads a false faith. Then I asked, Did Abraham and Jonah spread a false faith? Or Ezra and Nehemiah? They were all missionaries because they spoke to people about faith in the God of Israel. I told them, I am not like the rabbis who are now in prison because they were faithful to money rather than to God. Why, strictly because of the way we dress do you consider them so holy when, in fact, they have broken the laws of God and man? After a lengthy discussion, one of the officers said, Let us get to the root of this situation. How did you come to the conclusion your faith is right? I told him, I've not come to any conclusions. Rather, what I have said is from the Holy Bible. I believe in the Lord. It's that simple. And he is the one who taught us not to be blind and to go after bribes or give in to temptation. To my surprise, the officers invited me to have a cup of tea with them, and they asked me to start from the beginning and tell them about myself. I related some of my experiences in Europe during the Holocaust and told them of my 44 years here in Israel, including my long military service. I thank the Lord that because of my faith in Him, rather than in money, I had the wonderful opportunity to witness in such an unlikely place as a police station. I pray these officers will consider the things I said and come to faith in Jesus as the Messiah and Savior.
The dramatic reading you just heard is taken from a feature you can read in our bi-monthly magazine, Israel My Glory. If you enjoy this feature, be sure to sign up for a free trial subscription. That's one year of Israel My Glory. Visit IsraelMyGlory.org. You can read Apples of Gold and other free content at IsraelMyGlory.org. You can also sign up for a free subscription when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. If it's more convenient to write, our P.O. Box is 914 Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. And again, you can visit us at foiradio.org to do all of these things. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Galeone. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.